Banks here, and on today's episode of Walton Biz Talk, we continue our discussion with Dr. Doug Ashton, currently an Associate Professor of Marketing here at the Walton College. However, that's not the only thing that he has ever been. Tune in to hear more about how he has moved about in the professional field. So here's the big one, because I know you've, you've been doing, you know, just so much, but can you walk us through each job you've had and why or how you transitioned from that consulting uh, project that you were on to that university to another university? Can you walk us through that let's, whole picture? Let, let's take the university situations. That's the easier one because if you go back, it's you know you're talking about three-hour conversation. Yeah. So let's look at the university situation. When I had an opportunity to teach the class at the University of Memphis with 283 students in it, I was asked to do that because I was an honor graduate at the undergraduate level and I did really, really well in a year and a half program in a master's degree and finished it in a year. So I was asked to do this. Uh, and I was somewhat intimidated by that. I got into it and realized that the very best thing that I could do not to be intimidated was to be prepared. And preparing is not as easy as it is today because you have all those electronics to go with you. So when I, after I taught that, I still worked for Sears. My fiance at the time uh, was in education, and I, you know, we were going to get married before we did anything, and when we finished our master's degrees anyway. And uh, so I took a job. I wrote to 179 schools. I got 11 offers. I was going to go to Southwest Louisiana, which is called LSU at Lafayette. That's what it's called now, because they offered 90, 95 or 96,000, dollars a year. But I looked at Drake, and Drake was a small private school, had 5,000 students, mostly from upper middle class families. I'd never taught at a school like that, I'd never been to a school like that, and I didn't know anything about Iowa, and I'd never lived in Iowa. So that was the decision to be able to go there. Uh, making the transition was really easy. I had a department head whose name was Eddie Easley. Uh, he watched me, he gave me some guidance, he kind of gave me kind of a watch out for this kind of consideration program. And then Hal Sekiguchi left the Bureau for Business Research, and he asked me, look, you have a good background in statistics. How would you like to do this? And we'll give you a supplemental income for being able to do this. I said, supplemental income sounded good. So I said, yeah, I'll try that. So I took over that particular role. Uh, but I was really in, into the teaching part and really realized that I liked that an awful lot uh, and realized that I couldn't get a PhD at Iowa State at the same time. So I decided to leave Drake University in the fall of 1969. I left in the spring of 19, actually in the summer of 1970. Uh, I had applied to the University of Washington, University of Massachusetts, uh, Washington University in St. Louis, and the University of Georgia, and got accepted to all the schools. I really wanted to go to Washington U because that's where my wife had her master's degree from. So we went down there. And in order for me to live in St. Louis, I still had to work. So they had set up a job for me to teach at the University of Missouri at St. Louis. And uh, I gave that a lot of thought. I said, you know, I just want to go to school for a while. So Georgia offered me a position where I was in school, but I also taught a course. And I also worked with uh, Fremont Shull in writing a book. That's, to me, what an academic should be doing. So I took that job, and my, I had a, we had a little girl, uh, my daughter Heather, uh, in May before we left in August. 
And so my wife, who's a brilliant, my former wife, who's a brilliant, brilliant woman and terrific person, uh, couldn't go to school. And she wanted to get her, her degree too. So in January of 71, she started school. So we were both in school at the same time. Then I had gotten something called the Exceptional Merit position at the University of Georgia, which my daughter's mother did too which says that we invite you to stay here as a regular faculty member for one year. You can only stay for one year, full pay, full benefits, everything. And so I got to learn how to be a regular faculty member. And then I was offered a position at Texas A&M. And my daughter's mother said she wouldn't move to Texas. <laughs> so I took a job at Eastern Michigan. And then just so happens that Florida came by later and offered her a position. And so I lived in Michigan and she lived in Florida. And I'd fly down every other week. That was very hard to do that. But anyway, I went to Florida as a visiting assistant professor in the Center for Consumer Research Department of Marketing and absolutely loved being there an awful lot. My wife and I divorced two weeks before I started there, so it was hard to do that. But I also was admitted to the Florida Blue Key uh, at that time, which is a leadership organization. And I really, really liked Florida, but I knew that I needed to leave Gainesville. That was the best thing for me to do. So I got seven different offers from schools. The one that I really wanted was the second offer that I had for them was at Virginia. But I was single at the time, and it wasn't a single person's community. Charlottesville was not. So I decided I'd go to the University of Denver's Grad School of Business. And uh, then Sandy and I got married just right before we left and went out there. And I really, really, really loved the University of Denver and the mountains. Mm. You know, and then I had a home, our first home we built out there. My son was doing well. He was seven when he, when he became part of our family. What drove me away from Denver was not Denver. It was my son's need for a different education. I wanted a small town environment for that. So the University of Alabama offered me a position as a research professor in Tuscaloosa. And I, that's where I was going to go. It was closer to Georgia where my wife was from. And I got a call from a friend here, Bob Bell. He said, yeah, we have a position of uh, leadership in this school as chairman of the Department of Marketing, and we'd like you to come down and we understand you're leaving Denver, come down and talk to him. I said, I don't have any interest in going to Arkansas. Uh, I said, I'll tell you what, Bob, I'll write to you a white paper of what I think we can do with the department. You share it with the faculty, and if you want me to come, then I'll come. So I shared it with him, and I got a call from the provost, who was Charles Oxford. He said, I've read this white paper. I've never seen anything like this before. He said, would you just come down here, and even if you don't want the job, would you spend two hours with me? I want to know how you would implement all this. So I came down. My chairman of my dissertation taught here. So that was a, at the time I thought it was an advantage. It became a disadvantage. Uh, his, his grandson's in my class right now, as a matter of fact. And uh, I took this position to take a leadership role in 1981 of the Department of Marketing. And the objective was to make it a nationally recognized program, which we are. When I came here, we had the supply chain program was a part of this program. We had 14 majors. Today we have 400 plus majors. We've really built that program. And that, that team has done an absolutely wonderful job, especially with the guidance of Matt Waller. It's been a really, really good program. Um, I, I told them when I came here that I would step aside in five years. I didn't want to be a chairman for more than five years. So I stepped aside in five years and went back into teaching and research productive in both of those, got an outstanding teaching award. And then I was, uh, I decided I would leave. And so I was offered a position at uh, uh, Southern Mississippi, Miss University of Southern Mississippi, uh, Dean's position. Didn't 
it was a bad fit. It's just a really bad fit. So I came back here. And then I was offered a position at Florida International University to head up their doctoral program and be the chair of the Department of Marketing. I came back here again. I liked it here an awful lot. And then I was asked to become the associate dean for our graduate program. And I did that from 1991 to 1998. From 1994 to 1998, I also served as senior associate dean of the department. 99, actually. And then in 2000, I went back into teaching. I chose that's what I wanted to do. That's, I've had enough of the administration, which I really enjoy because you can, you can affect programs for an administration. So you can affect what other people do, especially if you support them and what they need to be able to do. So I really enjoyed that an awful lot. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Life is a transition. The hardest part of my life has occurred in the last five years. I've transitioned from a healthy person to an unhealthy person. My attitude is still 35. I haven't changed that. I'm sitting here with you, and I know that I'm, you know, I'm a senior citizen you know, by a long shot. I'm an AARP member by a long shot. But I see myself as being very close to your age, because in my mind, I'm still 35. My body doesn't necessarily agree with that. But So the transitions have been exciting challenges for me. I've never had a challenge in which I failed. I haven't succeeded as much as I want to in some of them, but I've never had one that I've actually failed. That goes back to eight years old from being in Boy Scouts all the way through Boy Scouts. You learn a lot about independence you know, and decision-making. But what I learned most of all is that people are really important. And that's what I learned through Boy Scouts. You know, the concept of do a good turn daily is the same thing as a golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. But the Scout motto is be prepared. And I've been doing that all my life. And so you had a course with me in the intercession. Mm -hmm. The way that I prepared for the intercessions, I prepared a manual for all of you. Yeah. And did all of that for you and put that together. And then I created also uh, slides that had sound in them. They had motion in them. Uh, they had uh, binging sounds in them to draw your attention to things. They integrated you. The objective was the more that I'm prepared, the better off the outcome is going to be. I hate leaving here. I, I mean, I don't want to leave here in December. I hate that. I, I, I don't think I have any value beyond here. Now, I might, but I like what I do here so much that leaving here is very, very hard. How do I prepare for nothing? I know how to prepare for this. You know. yeah. But when I look at retirement, retirement, you have to be tired before you can retire. And I'm not tired. I'm just old. <laughs> but uh, I, th I don't think the transitions have been, they've all been exciting to me. But I only spent one year in Michigan. I wasn't afraid to go to Michigan. I actually took the job in Michigan because they guaranteed my former wife a job. And then she went to Florida. Mm. Okay. But I went to Michigan. It was cold in September when I arrived. It snowed. I drove a Corvette. It snowed all the time. The people were driving 100 miles one way a day to go to work. They didn't have time to be friends. Um, students there were, they were okay. You know, students are okay wherever. They'll do whatever you tell them to do anyway. But I really missed my family, and I was flying back and forth every other week. And it was really a major distraction. And I decided that uh, I would apply for a job. So I applied. My first job was at... Uh, Stetson University in Deland, Florida, and they offered me a position. And while I was visiting with my wife, I called Joel Cohen, who was the chairman of marketing. I said I was thinking about leaving Michigan and was calling to see if he had a position open next year. And he talked to me for a while. He says, you're doing that stuff in path analysis, path analytic. I said, yeah, I am. 
He said, give me a couple of days. And he called me back and said, we have a position for you. It's 3000 more than they were going to pay me at Deland. Wow. And I wanted to be there because that's where my family was. So I went there. And uh, Joel Cohen and uh, the team uh, were just fantastic in helping me become more of a research professor. Teaching wasn't a big deal. So you already knew about that background. But uh, Bill Wilkin, who's at Notre Dame, just a fantastic guy. Joel is now retired. Uh, and the dean was fantastic. He said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you the outcomes I want you to achieve, and you figure out how to do them. And I learned that with working with us, too, and what I've done here. So the transitions were all challenges. The only reason I left Michigan early because my family was in Florida. I could have taken care of the weather. But my family was in Florida, and going back and forth is very expensive, number one. But there's that separation that actually is very destructive. And I decided I needed to be with them. And so analyzing your job options, how, how did you really decide? I mean, aside from, you know, yes, that's where your family is, but in other transitions mm -hmm. that you've done, other jobs that you've taken, how did you do, kind of let go of that fear of am I leaving something that's better than what I'm about to take on. I've had that, I had that here. You know, when I was offered a position in Southern Mississippi, I liked it here. There was some social instability here with me and with Professor Darden, who was my chairman. It was creating some other tensions here that I didn't like. I didn't see, I don't see any reason to fight with people. I think you just have differences and you find a way to make those agreements. That wasn't happening here. We got a new dean who tended to listen to my adversary, but would not hear me when in fact I worked for him. I didn't like that because my adversary was a real powerful man in marketing in marketing literature. And so I was battling two people. That's why I decided to leave. I, it was hard because I liked it here. And I have a home that I absolutely love. Uh, my son was not out of high school yet, but I decided I would look anyway. Uh, after I got down to Southern, I like Southern Mississippi, but I think the faculty was very frightened of change. They'd had the same dean for 36 years. It's like granddad. And I think they were really afraid of me because I told them they were going to lose their uh, accreditation, which they did the next year because we'd gone through accreditation here. So I decided to come back. It was hard to decide to come back. I was really un unhappy with that because the social situation was, was not going on here. And then we got another new dean who I knew and could work with him very, very well. And I enjoyed that. That was Stan Smith, who's at Central Florida right now as a shareholder that's there. And then Stan came to me and said, uh, hey, I know you've been looking around some other jobs. Would you consider the possibility of taking over our graduate program and doing the same thing with it that you've done with marketing? I said, let me think about that for a while. And so what it did, it made me not have to re report to anyone except the dean. So I didn't have to worry about this other stuff. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. And my, one of my best friends in the world, Dave Bednar, had been the associate dean before that, and we worked together very well, and he's still here. He left here and became the chancellor of BYU of Idaho. Really a great guy, really nice fellow. Fellow that I like to call him brother. He's really a super fellow. So we did that, and then we got another new dean. Uh, Doyle Williams came in, and Doyle worked with me for about seven months, and he came in on a Thursday afternoon and I said, uh, I've decided I need an associate dean, a senior associate dean, and I'd like to talk to you about doing that job. And I said, gosh, let me think about that. Let me write you a white paper of what I think we can do. And so I wanted him, I said, you don't know me well enough to do that. He said, well, I do know you pretty well. I've talked to a lot of people. 
So I said, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is I'd just like to have one title. It's the Associate Dean of Graduate Studies right now. Let's work together. And we did that for about six months, and I was taking on some authority that I, I probably had, but no one else knew I had it. And so Doyle said, we need to tell people that you're the senior associate dean. So we did. And we hired someone to be the director of the MBA program, which was Carol Reeves, who works for us mm -hmm. here also. Um, so I did that until 19, actually 99, I guess is when it was. And then in the fall of 99, I told him that I would resign and that I wanted a sabbatical, which I didn't get. But in January of 2000, I went back into teaching. I'm glad I did that, by the way, because my wife almost died in that period of time, and I needed that time for her. So those are the trends. I mean, it's kind of like, I'm okay, you're okay, approach avoidance, approach avoidance, approach avoidance. But when it was in schools, to go to another school, you never had a problem with that, because it was always, you're looking at a, a stepping stone, of, it's a career path of, of opportunity. Uh, I liked all of those things. I can't tell you there's ever a job that I disliked, ever, ever. So when you, you know, I was told by my parents, you're probably going to have two jobs in your lifetime. Now we tell our students you're going to have seven to nine different employers in your lifetime. Uh, I, uh, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't do it any other way. It's exactly what I like to do. And what I like about here is the confidence that our student body seems to have in me, those that I have contact with, uh, to help them accomplish their goals. You see, I may have shared this with you in the class. I don't know that I did, but I don't see myself as a teacher or a professor. I see one who empowers people to do what they can do. So to finding out your unique talents, your unique skills, how do we empower you to make those decisions? How do we empower you to leave home? How do we empower you to accept your responsibility as a, as a credit risk, as an example? How do we empower you to be able to take control of a multi-million dollar organization because if we're only teaching people and we're only grading on what they learn, a lot of that's memory work, and then they forget it, then they can't use the tools. And so I think what we do is we empower you to be able to accomplish this task, and uh, I believe that in the college. I think we can decide what kind of college we want to be, and we're not anywhere near what we were in 81. We're not anywhere near where we were in 90. We're not anywhere near we were in 2005. So we've had those. I've had those transitions here, and when you move from key administrator, dean to dean to dean to dean, all of those lacks of assurance that you ask about, they happen with all those deans because you don't know where you're going. But you find a way to adjust. Um, I know. I've come in here before and met with you, just Always knocked on welcome. your office and Always said, welcome. hey, Deb, you know, I'm, I'm going to career fairs or I'm trying to get a resume put together. Mm -hmm. And what is your advice for me to get a job to move on and find my career path and for the future so can you just kind of give our audience sure that perspective first of all I'll go back to where I was know who you are first you know know what excites you uh, look for opportunities that potentially excite you and use your unique skills and talents and you have those you have those in communications you're a great communicator so retail be a good area for you but buying might be a good area for you as well, too. Number one, know yourself. Number two, most of the people I work with are in college. They're not mostly marketing majors. Your major doesn't define what your career path is going to be. You chose your major at the moment because it was interesting to you. It doesn't mean that's where you're going to stay. More than 60% of the people that leave this college take jobs in marketing. And only, only a small portion of those, half of those, not a small portion, are actually marketing majors. Because that's where their jobs are located overall. So 
when you, I think you have to look at things that excite you, that challenge you, that you think that you could accept the challenge and achieve in that particular challenge, and it goes back to who are you and what are you looking for. I've had jobs that I've liked better than other jobs. I've never had a job I didn't like, but I took jobs. I took this job when, in fact, I wanted to go to Alabama. But I took this job because of the reinforcement I got from Charles Oxford, the provost. He had seen something. I didn't tell you one story, actually, and I won't tell you a long story with this one. But one of the major reasons I came here is I made a speech here in 1977 with Sam Walton when he had 200 stores. In March of 1981, or April of 1981, Sam Walton called me in Colorado. And he said, Dub, this is Sam. I didn't know who Sam was. He says, you know, Sam, you made that speech with me. You took me out to dinner at the Ramada Inn, and I didn't have any money, and you had to pay for that. Do you remember? I said, yeah, I, I remember that. He says, Bob Bell tells me they've asked you to come here, and you're thinking about going to Alabama. And I said, uh, yeah, I probably am, Mr. Walton. He says, name's Sam, Dub. Sam, okay? He says, there's only one good thing, Dub, that ever came out of Alabama. I said, what's that? He says, it's Interstate 20. <laughs> and a conversation goes on like that. But then he said, I've read your white paper. I know you're going to have to have some funding to be able to do that. If you'll take the job there, I'll support that funding. Well, he gave us 2,000 shares of stock and $50,000. We were the first fully computerized program in the state of Arkansas, right here. And that 2,000 shares ended up being $6.5 million. So we have the Walton chair. It's a $3 million chair. The Dean's chair is a Walton chair. It's part of that. We have Walton lectureships. So Sam had a lot to do with that, and I thought, well, okay, let's do that. So um, refresh me, because I, yeah. I, I went the other, other direction, I'm sorry. Just, um, you know, you always have that open-door policy, mm -hmm. and okay. when students come in, ask for your advice. I ask them to know themselves, first of all. Yeah. When I first came here, you didn't have minors. So I said, okay, let's have a major, and now let's think of these, you still had to have five courses. Let's figure out what you can do with these courses. Let's put them in an industry. So I put a lot of people in finance. Because at, at Denver, I designed the financial marketing major. So we put them in finance because of the Depository Institutions Deregulation Act of 1981. Banks had to learn how to market themselves, and they didn't know how to do that because the government had always controlled that. Or they'd put them in real estate with Mark Risk as an excellent teacher, really, really good teacher. Or I would put them into management so they could have leadership types of things. My objective was to say, look, Marketing is a matrix of a lot of things that fit together. And the more that you understand the fits of the other things, the easier it is to be able to do that. So you don't have to have a major and a minor. What you want to be is kind of a renaissance person. You want to be able to do a lot of different kinds of things. And then look at opportunities. Now, the only way you're going to get opportunities, they used to think, was with grades. So that's not true. Companies, I used to do this for Sears. We don't hire because of grades. We hire because of value that you're going to contribute to the company. Grades will attract our attention, just like lipstick on a young lady will attract your attention. So those look really, really good. But let's see what we can do with the rest of your life. Okay, you're going to have the academic side. Are you working? And most kids at that time weren't. Now we have 70% of our students who work while they're going through school. Let's see what you're doing in the community, which means the campus community. What are you doing? Well, we Today we have 380 different uh, uh organizations that you can be members of. At that time, we didn't have any at all, you know, to speak of. Let's get you involved with those. You know, at that time, we were a party school, so they were in Greek organizations. That's changed an awful lot in that period of time. Let's take your resume and look at your resume as a label. 
and let's look at what that label says to people. What do you want that label to say? What are your special skills? Well, I don't have any. Well, let's find some. Let's figure out what those special skills are going to be. What do you like to do with your free time? So people say, well, I like to play cards and I like to play checkers. And you say, well, I want to do team-related types of things because people don't want isolation. They want teams. We put that together, but I said, at one time until placement programs started going, we didn't have anyone that worked on resumes. In my department, we had the largest major in the entire state of Arkansas. Nobody worked on resumes. So we had to start doing that. Now Renee does a great job with that and helping out with resumes. So, and we didn't have a placement program that worked. We were only placing 22% of our majors when I came here. Um, within five years, we were placing 73% of our majors because we set up our own placement program out of the office. So that worked out for us. So what I told the students also, I give them the, the story I told you. I wrote to 179 employers looking for a job, schools. I got 11 job offers. That means I had a choice. And I had something in my mind that I was looking for, and Iowa gave that to me. A lot of people are just looking for jobs. I said, you're not going to find a, the opportunity you want if you're just looking for a job. So the other thing that's important that I, I think is really important to the students, too, and they use the computer for this, when you have a, an interview, after you finish that interview, write a note to the person you interviewed, and do not write it on the computer. I, have, I give these away to students. These cost $11 a box. And I give this to them and say, write them a thank you note, three sentences long, and send that to them. They can't push the delete button on these. And it works. One of the most valuable ways to be able to motivate someone to respond to you is in the written form. And it works. It just really, really works. And then I also offer to be able to do recommendations for them, which I really like to do. And it takes about an hour to an hour and a half to do a recommendation. Awesome. I think that's what I would say. Um, and then just a last question for you. When you are looking towards the future and just in your life over the period of years that you've been alive, uh, is there a word or phrase that you've been particularly drawn to that's really helped you keep motivated? Boy, I've never been asked that specifically. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there are probably several, but the one that's probably the most is curiosity. I think that's probably the most. I was going to say independence. I think curiosity is much better than that for me because I'm always seeking to find out why things do the way they do. And I'm trying to find out who people are and what they are. And, and you know from class, uh, I really focus on knowing everybody in the class. And mm -hmm. I'm curious about you because if I know what you want to do and where you're going to go, maybe I can direct it in that way in some, some way overall. But I think I think probably curiosity is... is the, the most consideration. And if there's another one, a secondary one would be grateful. I've learned, I am curious, but I've learned to be very grateful for the opportunities that I've had as well, too. And that grateful opportunity has become so important in the last five years of my life. Essentially, what I am is what you as students have actually shaped and formed me to be. I'm just a piece of clay. And you have shaped and polished and molded me, the piece of art or lack of art that I am, into more of a masterpiece. And how do I know it's a masterpiece? Well, I get a lot of awards and a lot of recognition, so it must be that someone thinks I'm doing something okay. It's the old concept that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I've got a lot of friends, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I think that I'm still being shaped. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life because I haven't, I haven't engaged that yet. But I think curiosity is the most important thing for me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Doug, for sure. being with me. Thank you, Allison. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. That concludes our talk with Doug. 
and I hope you all continue to be curious and grateful in every opportunity that comes your way. If you want to chat with the Walton Biz Talk crew, you can stop by and see us in WCOB 118.